The Start On Demand. On demand. Hey, hey, it's GMAC for a vacationing Brett McGarry along with Loren McNabb and Jeffrey Forche and Master Control. It is the start on demand. And this morning, we celebrate Desiree Scott, her return to Winnipeg with a gold medal. David Phillips, Environment Canada. We got a lot of rain yesterday. Are we going to get any more? That conversation for you. We will also discuss daycare, $10 a day daycare for Manitobans on its way by 2023. What does that mean for parents of kids six and under? And Jamarcus Hardrick, offensive lineman with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, joins us on Breakfast with the Bombers. Maybe our favorite edition of that feature yet. Stick around. It is the start on demand. Let's get right down to business. Good morning. Happy Tuesday, August 10th. And Loren McNabb, I had much disrupted sleep last night and I couldn't care less. Rain, thunder, lightning. It was magnificent. Yeah, it was quite the show too. And we've been getting those teases throughout the year where you think you're getting a nice storm and lots of people love to do the the watch and sit out and stare at their window at those clouds or the lightning and listen to the wind and but then no rain comes, right? Well, yesterday it came and boy, did it sound nice. I actually twice slept to the sound of rain yesterday. I was mentioning my air conditioning wasn't working. It's still not working, but the rain cooled things down. So I had a nice afternoon nap with the patter of rain on the roof and then fell asleep last night to more thunder and lightning. And man, I, I know that's not near enough just yet for so many people who were relying on it, but I, I hope that's a start. I really do. Well, we'll try and get some official rainfall totals for you throughout the morning. Our friend Rob's Obs on Twitter says that uh, up to 29 millimeters of rain in the Winnipeg area and some larger uh, reports west of Winnipeg and south of Winnipeg as well. So we will endeavor to get those numbers to you. Let us know what you saw. I know many of you have your own rain gauges in your backyard or on your property. So we would love to hear from you. What did you see? How wonderful? was it to see that rain another group of individuals besides food producers celebrating yesterday and that's parents parents who utilize the daycare system ten dollar a day daycare is coming to manitoba and this is and i don't want to uh, rain on anyone's parade here it's just been a long time coming right to introduce some sort of national daycare program so this is part of it as manitoba signs on to the federal government's uh, $10 a day child care plan. And we're going to get money for that, about a billion over five years under this agreement. And then we can then go on and hand, or give out daycare for $10 a day for kids who are six and under. And that's supposed to come in by 2023. I, so I, I really hope this is still a go. I hope it goes through and, and, you know, they've all signed on to it and all the rest. I don't want to like, again, as I say, rain on this daycare parade. It's just that it's been so long and a dream for so many that until someone is handing physically handing over that $10 bill to someone and the daycare say it's working and the dollars are all there, I'm just going to, you know, patiently wait, Greg. 
Yeah, the creation of thousands of more daycare spaces also on the agenda, raising the income of those who are in early childhood development, also part of this plan. So there are lots of moving pieces, lots of moving parts, lots of things which need to come together. Not to mention, I imagine, um, a couple of elections along the way that may uh, upturn or overturn the apple cart on this one. Yeah, so you always have to get through those to make sure whatever promises were made pre-election or their post-election. I'd like to think this one sticks for the most part just because all the parties, regardless of their political stripes, in terms of just the federal-provincial relationship right now, you know, we've signed on to it with the conservative leader. It's a liberal leader at the helm in Ottawa, of course. And so I'd like to think this just this has staying power. But again, uh, big programs have been announced and haven't seen the follow through on them. So I just, you know, for I've been there before, man, where you're looking and you're desperate for a daycare and then uh-huh. you're making that decision where you're like, does this even make any sense to be paying um, money and barely making that money back when you return to work? And I've been on the other end thinking, man, this is like someone's taking care of my kid for eight, nine, 10 hours of the day, depending on your job, right? It was only six to eight for us, but six to eight hours for us. But then you're, you're giving money to someone and I used to often think this can't be enough. You know, like someone's watching your child and you feel like you're not paying enough into the system. And sometimes you feel like you're paying too much depending on, on where you're at, right? And so it's just such a, such a huge, huge part of life for so many parents when you're making that decision to go back to work or you have to go back to work. It's not a choice for so many. And then you, you're, you're scrambling. And so I hope the spots are created. And I, and I do the $10 a day for kids under six, that would be such a relief. I no question to many families. Yeah. I think it's a big issue moving forward as we try and get the energy back in the economy over the next several years as well. We do have a text message, Loren, 204-780-6868, that lights are out on Keniston all the way from Ikea to Rothwell and people, uh, by the sounds of it, at least by the report that we're getting on our text line here, nobody's treating those intersections like a four-way stop. So remember, mm. if you, you know, approach a, a normally uh, traffic, traffic signaled intersection, that now is a, a four-way stop. International- Did you lose power yesterday? No, no. We had a flicker of power here at 201 Portage just before I left around 1030. I was a little hesitant to get on the elevator, but I went to ask one of our engineers, our head engineer, John Wall. I said, hey, John, there's backup power in this building, right? He said, oh, you saw the the lights flicker? I said, yeah, and I'm supposed to get on the elevator right now, and I've got places to be. So I actually thought about taking the stairs. He said, you'll be fine. So I rolled the dice and uh, all things went well. All was good. You lost power yesterday at some point? At some point, briefly, but I just noticed I ran upstairs to get a coffee and the microwave was flashing at 5.51, like, which would be just 20 minutes ago. And I think I don't recall oh. it going out. So I was just wondering if there had been another little storm move through that, you know, I have my headphones on and you're down in the basement not paying attention. Sure. I get up there and I'm like, huh, what did I miss? The reunions every day at the end of a work day, picking up your kids from school or from daycare. Real quick, my son uh, used to love it when I came home on Wednesdays. Well, actually not. When he was a little guy, uh, the twins used to spend Wednesdays with grandma. And I'll never forget the day I walked up the back step and he could see me coming through the window, window and he ran to the door 
to hold the door closed <laughs> so I wouldn't come in because he wanted to spend more time with his grandma. So they have a special relationship to this very day. Greg Mackling, Loren McNabb, Cam Poitras, Jeff Forche, and Jeff Braun are all here. And since we're talking movie reunions, we should probably start with one of the couch potatoes. Jeff, talking about the best reunion scenes in movie history. Uh, one of the best reunion movies is The Big Chill. The whole movie is The Reunion. Oh, I like and, that. Uh, it's a bunch of uh, old college friends getting back together in one of their homes for a weekend. Uh, sadly, because a friend of theirs had just died and they had the funeral and then they spent the weekend together. And my favorite scene in that movie is actually the funeral procession scene. It's a montage scene set to the Rolling Stone song, You Can't Always Get What You Want. Ugh. I feel terrible. Last time I spoke with Alex, we had a fight. I yelled at him. That's probably why I killed him so. It's a William Byrne and Mary Kay place having a little discussion there, and he's making lib jokes as he does throughout the movie. And uh, just the, the music set to this whole funeral procession always uh, really hits me really hard, and it's right at the beginning of the movie, too. It's a great movie if no one's ever seen it. Yeah, it's got a great soundtrack, as you ha highlighted with just that few moments of that movie. Cam Poitras, great to have you back in the discussion this morning. What have you got for us? Well, I'm sorry to be the biggest downer here, guys. I mean, I know it's 6.52, but... Twelve Years a Slave, uh, telling the story of uh, you know a, a, a black uh, man up uh, in the north goes down, uh, captured, goes down south, and he's down there for twelve years, and he eventually comes back home, and uh, it all accumulates up. The whole movie goes up to that scene, and it's uh, incredible. So I, it was the only choice for me. That's tear-inducing right it's, there. It's, Holy oh, cow! Oh yeah, you 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 cry like a baby. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Cam. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry for that, guys. I was going to go with Finding Nemo, but that one's better. That, that I is... thought you were going to go with Lord of the Rings for sure. No, I was it... pick Lord of the Rings. I was, no, Cam's a Lord of the Rings nerd. I'll let him have it. I was going to, but there's not any, like, really speaking in that scene. So it would have just been, like, music and, like, little... So it's I, true. I, I, I decided on that. Okay, well, you hit a home run, Cam. Uh, how about you, McNabb? Well, this was started by the conversation and the fact that Desiree Scott, Canada's gold medalist in soccer, came home last night at the airport. I love Winnipeg's airport because you can come down that escalator and see your family waiting below. Not all the airports have that, right? You have to come out of a door. You can't always see who's there for you. Sometimes nobody's there for you. So I'll just, just hit this, and if the music doesn't tell you where this is, then uh, go home.
That's just the music that plays at the end of the movie Love Actually with all the airport reunion scenes. And honestly, you could sit me down in an airport and I would cry 22 different ways because of the different reunions you see. There's all sorts of great things happening. It might be someone you love you haven't seen in a while. It could be boyfriend, girlfriends, husbands, wives, mothers and sons and daughters. It could be really sad reasons and I don't care. I, I love I love an airport and I love an airport reunion. Well, Andrew's on the same page. Our first text of the morning says, Love Actually, the end and the beginning of Love Actually, the scenes of culturally diverse people hugging, crying and laughing at the same time as their loved ones arrive at the airport. Forche, we got time to get yours? Yeah, uh, I was going to go with a Toy Story or Toy Story 2 or 3 because it's always like a reunion when you see all the toys together. But uh, because of all the kind of sad, you know, I'm going to go with... uh... (laughs) Man, this this just feels right. The news team is back. Ron, (laughs) Brian, Rick, me, and Baxter. (laughs) That old man is so little and hairy. (laughs) Hey, Ron, who's driving? Oh, it's okay. It's on cruise control. Anyways, that's uh, Anchorman 2, so... uh, The new scene is back! (laughs) I just enjoy a good laugh. I like to turn off my brain, and so, yeah, that's just... It's one of my favorite uh, get-together movies. Outstanding stuff. But to start this hour... Zeddy Rabbit would say, we loved the rainy night, and you would have been hard-pressed to find anyone yesterday lamenting the rain in any shape or form, Loren, as all of Manitoba is in desperate need for moisture right now. Yeah, we're parched. We're parched pretty much everywhere. It's a pretty dire situation for many livelihoods, for towns, for water supplies. And so we want to get more rain and we want to hear more about what might be coming. David Phillips, Senior Climatologist for Environment Canada and a regular contributor to the morning show on 680 CJOB. Hi, David. Hi, Lauren. Nice to be with you and Greg. Well, we're in a good mood this morning because it feels yeah. better out there. It doesn't feel as dry. And I know we're still sort of counting the data, but it, it finally was a real rain. We haven't had too many real rains, if that makes sense, in this part for quite some time. Well, that's right. You know, and I, I heard all the way from Toronto, I heard that noise across Manitoba. And it was that ground sucking up every every drop of rain that fell across the the province. It was a, it, you know, and I'm glad you guys helped me because I I wasn't sure whether this was good news or bad news. I know rain is always seems to be good news, but is this just sort of more? You know, it's sort of like the harvest is underway, and now combines are going to be mired in muck maybe for a day. But I think that ground was so parched that hey, it's gonna it's gonna get dry a very. Uh, very quickly, but what a beneficial rain! I, it, it was, it, you know, could have been the billion dollar rain. I think probably it was the million dollar rain. I mean, it certainly made people feel uh, better about it. And and the beauty, guys, is was that this was not the kinds of rains, the, the amounts you saw from, you know, my gosh, fifty one millimeters in Brandon, uh, uh, forty one millimeters down in Gretna and Morden. I mean, the epicenter of this drought for two years in, in that area got 40 millimeters of rain across the agricultural belt, generally 30 to 40, about 20 millimeters in uh, in Winnipeg. So it was a widespread rain, but also it didn't come in 30 minutes. It came over several hours, you know, anywhere from 10 to 12 hours. And that kind of allows that rain to soak in and not run off. So it goes to work more for you, helps to uh, to eliminate some of the, of the misery that we've seen uh, 
uh, so far this uh, this summer. When you put it in perspective, in Winnipeg, I mean, it only got 20 millimeters of rain, but my gosh, I mean, that is um, more than twice what you got in all of the month of July. And if you look at the last nine weeks, it was twice the amount of rain that you got in the last, say, 60 days. So it was really welcomed, and um, <clears throat> and as they say, it came in the uh, in the kind of intensity that was was perfect. It was uh, well, you know, it, it 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 was obviously quite beneficial, but uh, hey, maybe a little too late. It also helped to remove some of the smoke because, you know, Winnipeg started off yesterday morning with four hours of smoke and then it sort of cleansed, scrubbed the air with this rain. Boy, I, I think there's a lot of, of good things you could say about this precipitation, but it was long coming. Well, our concern about the lack of moisture is twofold now, David, not only on the agricultural and the, and the producer front, but also with regard to drinking water. You mentioned Morden. They are on water restrictions there. I took a drive to southern Manitoba. The red the mighty Red River is almost bone dry in certain spots yeah. south of the city of Winnipeg. And we posted pictures of the Rosso River where it is absolutely a dry riverbed right now. So like I say, it's a twofold concern. We have asked this question in the past, David, is this enough to get us sort of into a moisture cycle here? Is this something that might continue? Could it be self-perpetuating uh, or is this a sort of a one-off situation for us? Well, Greg, you know, we, we see some precipitation today. I mean, it, not clearly as much as we had yesterday. This yesterday's system was a, a very sort of unstable air coming up from the Dakotas and just uh, slowed down and just uh, dropped a, a good amount of rain uh, uh, across southern Manitoba. There was also a weather system to the north that brought some rain to more central parts of the province and again enough to, to scrub the air and help that forest fire situation. But when you look at the long term, you know, it does show that, uh, you know, dry and, 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 uh, and oh, mild. I mean, it's, you know, we're getting, you know, when we get into September, we see temperatures really generally drop about five or six degrees from, from August. But um, we think the flavor going ahead of the weather is going to be warmer and drier than, than normal. So it's not the beginning of the monsoon season. I mean, you would almost like it to be the wet season beginning now because it, re- it really helps to restore. Or again, you're you're so white, right, Greg. The, the it's not just agricultural issue. It's, it's uh, smoke from fires, and you've had 233 hours of smoke and haze in Winnipeg this year. So uh, that again, because of the fires, but also because of the lack of moisture that can scrub the air. But it's also the rivers. The you know this and becomes around cities, the foundations around the cracking and the and the and the movement of uh, of soil around buildings means that that there's certain amount of uh, that could happen when rains do do finally come. So it, it's really not just a rural thing. It's an urban-rural. It's good for the economy to have this rain. And I'd like to say that I see over the next seven days rain in the forecast. I don't. But, um, you know, temperatures are, are, you know, I'm sure we haven't finished seeing the end of the 30-degree temperatures. I mean, we've had 30 days this year above 30 degrees. I mean, well above the normal and close to the record back in 1988. So my sense is we can't write the final chapter on this hot, dry summer, but, hey, it doesn't, uh, doesn't sort of diminish what, what great news uh, occurred yesterday across the province. Even when you give us news we don't want to hear, David, we love your insight. We love having you on the program. We appreciate it. 
Thanks, guys, so much. Nice to be with you this morning. Bye-bye. Thanks, friend. That's David Phillips, Senior Climatologist for Environment Canada. It was the start to the season that Blue Bombers fans had imagined. And Wolitarski on the inside as Kolaris drops back to pass and goes long for Kenny Lawler in the end zone, and he makes the catch for the touchdown. Second touchdown pass of the game to Kenny Lawler, and the Bombers take a 13-6 lead. And Mike Benson sends it back. It's on the tee. It's in the air, and it's good. The Bombers now lead 19-6 with 7 minutes and 20 seconds left. And the Bombers are going to launch their Grey Cup defending champion season with a victory. Ah, great to hear Bob's voice. Great to see the results. The defending Grey Cup champions now entering Game 2. Feeling good following that big win over Hamilton. And so the Ottawa Red Blacks and Toronto Argonauts made the early West Division standings very interesting as those teams knocked off Edmonton and Calgary Greg in week one. So now we have the Argos coming to Winnipeg Friday night. One of the absolute stalwart members of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is offensive lineman Jamarcus Hardrick. Good morning, Jamarcus. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're always terrific, especially when we're speaking with you. You bring such positive energy and we, we appreciate you taking time on a busy day. You've been Pretty open all off-season, this extended 20-month off-season, Jamarcus, about how excited you were to get back here to Winnipeg. Could Thursday night have gone much better for you? Couldn't have gone much better. Got out, got a chance to see the fans, got a chance to get a win. Uh, still got a chance to get better. I'm excited for this Friday, man. Thanks to Winnipeg for coming out. I look forward to doing it again. But we look forward to seeing it again. And we like to talk about things on the field and off the field, Jamarcus. And your nickname Yoshi goes back a long way. What's the Mario? Who's the Mario in this equation? Tell us about that. Oh, yes. Mario's my brother. It was a guy when I was growing up, and he was older than me, and I wanted to hang around with older kids. And I always tagged along with him. And one day we were at Boys and Girls Club, and one of the counselors told us we were brothers. And so once we were best friends, we found out we had the same dad, and the rest is history. So I used to get mad when people called us Mario and Yoshi because they called me Yoshi because Mario was always with Yoshi in the game. So it started as a joke. It, it uh, turned out that we were brothers, and, uh, hey, it works for me. Well, it's one of the iconic nicknames in the Canadian Football League. And uh, I don't know how much you had a chance to pay attention to the Olympics in, in Tokyo, but, of course, they just wind, wound up over the weekend, Jamarcus. And sports and the role it can play in our lives has been in the spotlight for the past two weeks. How did sport change your life? Sports changed my life a lot. It opened so many doors for me. It gave me an opportunity to leave my small town um, I could have left it in a lot of other ways with grades and uh, other ways of working hard. Well, sports was the way to get me out of a town with 300 people. Sports was a way for me to get to college. It was a way for me to meet my wife. It was a way for me to travel the world. It was a way for me to be in Winnipeg. Now, I've been in Winnipeg six years now. My kids go to school in Winnipeg. I have three kids in school in Winnipeg now. Like, without sports, I probably could have moved to Winnipeg on my own, but I wouldn't know anything about it being in a small town in Mississippi. So, I credit sports to a lot of things in my life, meeting my wife, traveling, just so, meeting so many great people and connecting with so many great people. 
Connecting with the fans, too, and I'm just curious, you know, as you look back on Thursday in that long-awaited game, sports, too, is also about hope, and you could see it on the faces of fans as they looked out and thought that return to normal was finally happening. What are you feeling, and what were you feeling in that moment as you looked up and saw thousands of people back together finally at IGF? It was so emotional, man. From from being gone from 19 to 20 months, and just being in there, smelling the popcorn, smelling the hot dogs, seeing the fans, seeing the guys smile, hearing it on second and long, hearing it on third down on crucial, uh, crucial spots in the game, just make you miss it so much more, make you appreciate the fans so much more. With the long break, uh, the fans stayed in touch with us a lot. It's such a family, such a family thing here in Winnipeg. I know a lot of fans by the name. Fans stayed in touch. Fans sent me stuff on my birthday. They they sent my kids stuff for their birthdays. And just to see them in the stands supporting us and just giving it to all, man, you, you just want to give it to all. You want to get them a win. You have highlighted so eloquently how special Winnipeg is to you. We'll let you go after this one, Jamarcus. How special do you think it is? I, I rave about this all the time that you know you play on a team like the Blue Bombers where the star running back, and has been for four years as a guy who grew up here. And then Thursday night, a guy who broke his ankle uh, before the season really got underway last year comes in for said running back, and one of your other star players is also a Winnipeg guy. Do do you guys talk about that and and how special that is uh, on any team, never mind a Canadian Football League team, to have hometown guys so prominent in the lineup? Yeah, um, we, we make we joke about it a lot, man. There's a lot of pride going through the locker room. Guys are from here, and you feel that you want to be happy for those guys. And just being around town, getting stopped by random people, uh, t- talking to you about they watch Andrew coming up through the ranks in high school, how big of a deal Brady was coming up in high school. And just hearing the stories in the background and hearing people been following these guys forever, and just to see these guys come come here, work hard, win a championship for their hometown, and still be able to do great things, it just makes you so happy for the guys. It makes you want to go their extra inch for these guys to lead their legacy in their home hometown. And man, I wish wish my hometown was something like this, man. But just so happy for the guys, and wish we could just keep doing it for the Winnipeg guys, for the Winnipeg in general, man. Well, one of my highlights of Grey Cup week was you talking about the West Final last year and carrying that W flag out, and it's all for Winnipeg, Winnipeg against the world. Is it okay if we consider you a, a Winnipegger, Yoshi? Yes, no matter what happens, I know a lot of things change in football. I'm a Winnipegger, man. My kids, that's all they talk about was Winnipeg. All they talk about is CFL, not having the CFL for 19 months and staying in the state. My kids were like, what is this football on TV? They didn't see people waggling. They didn't see big fields. So I'm a Winnipegger, man. <laughs> we, are, we appreciate you very much, Jamarcus. Thanks again for making time with us, and good luck Friday night against the Argonauts. Yeah, thank you guys so much. You guys take care of any time. Right on. Jermarcus Hardrick, he's an absolute gift to the city of Winnipeg, to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Loren, you get tingles when you speak to him? I just love talking to Jamarcus. Man, energy is, is such a great thing at this time of the day, right? As you're starting off your day and you hear someone who's uh, living life and heading out there and just pumped to be here, yeah, for sure.
It's a popular walking and running trail, but following a series of recent assaults on women and girls, Winnipeg Police Loren are asking you to rethink how you use the Red River Trail system. You is in all of Winnipeg because as we've been hearing in the news with Jeff Braun, there was a teenage girl who was seriously sexually assaulted while walking along the river trail behind Churchill High School over the weekend. That happened in Winnipeg's Riverview neighborhood, which is close to South Osborne. And then a few hours later, in the early morning hours, closer to 7 a.m., a woman jogging near Harkness was grabbed from behind and pulled to the ground. In that case, the victim was able to escape. But the weekend attacks are just the latest in a list of assaults on the system dating back to in the system that are dating back to April. And so we wanted to talk more about this because it is such a popular trail. And of course, so many people, Greg, are getting out uh, and about and exercising. Constable Danny McKinnon is with the Winnipeg Police Service and our guest this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Well, it's a pretty tough conversation to have because we I know so many people who use this trail, Constable McKinnon. So one of the questions I had is, do we have any sense if these attacks and assaults are linked, if it's the same suspect? So uh, initially, some of these calls came in and presented a little bit differently um, from one another. Um, but after further review from the investigators, there's certainly some uh, commonalities between them. Um, all the victims have been women that have been reported thus far um, walking or running um, along the trails at various points. Um, the attacks were uh, random and uh, females reported that they had been grabbed from behind, pulled to the ground. Uh, some reports involved weapons, some did not. Um, so at this point, we can't definitively say that they're linked, but uh, there's certainly a possibility that that is the case and investigators are continuing to look at that aspect. Constable McKinnon, this feels like a very unusual step for police to take to warn about a specific geographic location in the city. What does it take for a Winnipeg Police Service to come forward and, and issue a warning like this? Right. Well, it, it's extremely alarming. Um, I'm, I use those trails myself. I'm a runner. Um, for this to be uh, put out there by the Winnipeg Police, we're taking it very seriously. Um, you know, at this point, it's uh, a good idea to take an alternate route, think about a different running uh, route, um, and avoid that area. We can't, we can't say that it's safe at this point. Yeah, and that's the hard part too, right? Because you should have a reasonable expectation expectation and I don't care what time of day it is I don't care what day of the week it is I think we as women and and everyone in society should have that expectation that if I go for a run this is not going to happen to me no matter where I am in the city but that's not the case right now and so the advice is to not go alone is there more to it than that in terms of what we should be thinking carrying with us having our cell phone those sorts of things Constable McKinnon? Yeah I mean those are all all good points and we we stated those all in the media release Um, just want to point out that the attacks happened at different times of the day. Some of them uh, were in daytime, light, uh, 6 p.m., which we know it's still light out uh, as well. Some of them were into uh, the darker hours, uh, early morning hours, uh, 3.45 a.m. There is no light yet. Uh, but uh, I, we're just recommending just avoid the area right now. Um, but if you uh, choose to do that route, if you're on on your own, no headphones would be a great idea. Um Try and use a partner if you can. Have a cell phone if you do need to call 911. Uh, there are personal alarm devices that can be per- uh, purchased to uh, ward off an attack uh, in progress. Um, 
stay on the well-lit path. Constable McKinnon, you know there are going to be people who are asking, well, why aren't there just more police resources being dedicated to this geographic location if, if there's this level of concern? What's the response there? Well, uh, that's certainly something that's happening. Our investigators are working very diligently on this as well. We do have our community support units that do frequent these areas on a regular basis to begin with. So uh, we'll certainly be um, highlighting those areas. Um, Investigators are very committed to getting to the bottom of these situations. Before we let you go, you mentioned that you've used this trail yourself, and so I'm curious if it's changed your habits or even just what your own personal thoughts were when you heard about not just one or two, but several attacks along this Red River Trail system, Constable McKinnon. Yes, absolutely. You know, you go out for a run, you want to do some exercise to clear your head. The last thing you want to do is be terrified and looking over your shoulder. So um, I won't be doing that trail at this point. Um, and, and, and in general, even when I do run, I, I make sure that if it is uh, becoming dusk or darker, uh, I never wear headphones uh, as a practice. Uh, you got to stay alert. That's something I tell my kids all the time. Uh, the headphones stay home, even in the middle of the day when they're walking the dogs. Uh, you, you have to be alert uh, for a variety of different reasons. This one is yeah. uh, extra important. Uh, Constable McKinnon, thank you for this. We appreciate uh, your insight into the situation, and, and um, is good luck in, in sorting this out and, and arresting a, a suspect on this. Thank you, and please be safe. It's a Tuesday morning. Uh, I keep reminding you that because Tuesday is the toughest day of the week, in my opinion. Uh, Monday, of course, is difficult, but Tuesday, for some reason, is worse for me. What's your worst day, Loren? Mm, Maybe Tuesday. So usually the day I realize is not the day I thought it was, is the worst day, (laughs) which happens once a week where I think Thursday's a Friday or whatever, right? Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, we start this hour with um, maybe... I won't call it a misconception, but this is something I know that we grew up hearing. The car, your vehicle, is one of the safest places to be during a lightning storm. And it really is. There is science to back that up. But you can bet that the driver who was heading down Trans-Canada Highway yesterday might be feeling a little differently this morning after their truck was hit by lightning, then setting the vehicle on fire. An extremely rare event. And David Reith is the deputy fire chief of the Richer Fire Department and was part of the crew called out to help and joins us now. Good morning, David. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I couldn't believe it when I saw this because, like Greg said, you have that that perception that your car or your vehicle is a pretty safe space. So let's start with what you saw or what you noticed when you first arrived on the scene. What was the call and what did you see when you got there? Well, the the call originally came in uh, to us uh, just before 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and it came in as a typical call uh, initially. Um, you know, we had uh, called the you know vehicle on fire on the on the Trans Canada Highway, which is something that we, I guess, I don't want to say typical day at the office, so to speak, but you know, it is something that we do deal with on a somewhat regular basis. And but then, as the information uh, from the 911 call center came in when we were uh, dispatching to the scene, you know, they said it was a lightning strike which is extremely rare. <laughs> so it was kind of like, okay. And, you know, we, we got on scene and, uh, you know, thankfully though, uh, you know, there were some passers-by and one of, uh, one of the passers-by happened to be a, a fellow uh, volunteer firefighter from another department. Uh, they had already had 
been working uh, to put the fire out and uh, the fire was basically extinguished by the time we got there but it was uh, the vehicle was a total loss and uh, it's like I say it's an extremely rare event um, you know it's not something you hear about very regularly you know the fact that you know you're driving down the Trans Canada minding your own business you know on your road trip doing your thing and mother nature decides to say hello in a very nasty way it's I can't even imagine what these people were you know you know what they experienced they were you know very shaken but fortunately everyone everyone got out safely um you know there was uh, no injuries so that was a good thing and but like you say like you had mentioned typically you know your vehicle is the you know safe you know you know very safe uh, you know if not the safest place to be in you know for lightning or high voltage type situations so it was a bit of a shock David, uh, you mentioned the fact this vehicle is a total loss. And for those of us that have had vehicles written off in the past, I mean, it's it's one thing to say that it's been written off because uh, uh, the body damage is so severe that it doesn't make sense to fix it or the engine compartment has been damaged or the frame has been twisted. Uh, give us an idea for those who that have not seen the, the pictures. When you say it's a total loss, really there was not much left of this vehicle. No, it's uh, the lightning strike came in uh, through actually the antenna, um, which I'm assuming. And again, I'm no, I'm no meteorologist by any means or understand how lightning works. But um, it basically, especially the strike of vehicle that's traveling, you know, 100, 100 plus k, you know, down the highway, it's it struck the vehicle in the antenna and basically fried the dash, um, causing the you know the interior to, to catch fire. It didn't catch fire instantly, so it's not like it was an instant combustion type thing. Um, but, you know, vehicles, uh, you know, nowadays there's a, an immense amount of combustible material inside of a vehicle and uh, it generates an incredible amount of heat. Um, so it very, very quickly, you know, ignited, uh, and, you know, obviously I'm assuming, you know, through the electrical, obviously, but and basically engulfed the entire interior. So it's not something that's going to buff out. So, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, the entire interior is charred and it's, you know, they lost a lot of personal items, I would assume. And it's, you know, but like I say, the important thing is the human factor. They got out okay. You know, it, you know, no one was hurt. I mean, it could have been a completely different situation. Well, the shock of it, you know, like I've been on the highway when the tire blows or something, right? And yet, you, you, when you think about, I don't even know what that would have been, been like. Did they describe to you the moment the lightning struck and what happened? You mentioned that the dash immediately went on fire, but was there a jolt, a bang, a noise? What came with it? You know what, that I don't know. Um, like I say, we, we arrived, uh, you know, like I say, pretty much when the fire was, uh, you know, actually extinguished. Um, uh, you know, just because, you know, like our fire hall is not manned 24 hours a day as far as being someone, you know, there. So we have to go to the hall and then respond. So by the time we got there, um, you know, the, like I say, the passersby that offered up assistance, uh, you know, to the couple, you know, we're able to, uh, you know, to get the fire under control and get it put out. For the most part, it was, you know, pretty much just, a little bit of smoldering, you know, ashes very much remaining. But it's, uh, you know, like I said, I can't, I can't even imagine what would have gone through their minds. But, you know, uh, the gentleman was, you know, definitely, definitely shaken up. Uh, you know, he was extremely panicked, did not want to be on the highway anymore. I think he was expecting another lightning bolt to come back and get him or something. I don't know. But, um, like I say, very shaken up. I, like I said, I can't even imagine what that would have been like. David, uh, before we let you go, is this one of the most unusual things you've seen in your career in, in responding to, to calls like this? 
you know what? This is an absolute first for me. Uh, you know, it's it's you don't get these things like it's just it, it doesn't happen, right? But it, I mean, it did. But it, it would definitely definitely in the top uh, top ten of the most strange for sure. You don't even have any time to sort of tread water here and deliberate via text message, Loren. Uh, we really have about 90 seconds here to figure this out, who our winner is. One of our listeners reminded me that yesterday I said that you would get to pick the winner. Sure. Now, I'm not going to say that you have to do that. I'm more than happy to to give you my two cents. But uh, Wayne, with his great story yesterday, got right to my heart telling the story about trying to tear the head off of Gaynor the gopher as one of his outside the rules, the time that you you sort of broke the rules to, to have a little bit of fun or, or maybe to to just, uh, you know, be mischievous. So Wayne won yesterday with his adventure. Who do you want to give it to today? Well, there's a couple great stories coming in from people talking about what their favorite reunion scene is. Tim talked about the movie Taken starring Liam Neeson because the whole movie is a fight for a reunion, which is true. They're trying through the whole thing to get his daughter back. Tracy texted about the reunion scene in the movie War Horse. She cries every time she watches the movie because it shows the bonds between animals and humans. And speaking of that bond between animals and humans, Greg, I think we both talked about the fact that this was a good text and we both like this movie. I think our winner this morning has to be Juliana. Juliana is our winner today, even though she has been uh, avoiding us for the last couple of weeks. No, she hasn't. She's been on holidays. Juliana says Luke and Leah's reunion in The Last Jedi was so emotional because fans watching the movie knew that Carrie Fisher had already passed away. Then Luke says nobody is ever really gone. It hits like a Mack truck to the heart because we feel this is to the audience and because no matter who they lose from the cast, the characters they play live on as long as we keep watching the movies. It's pretty good. I, I don't, tough to beat today. Tough to beat. And you know what? It had a lot of people also just talking about real life reunions. Kevin sent a video of his reunion after a long COVID year with his mom in Saskatchewan last week that had me teary because at the door she just exclaimed with such excitement. So I know a lot of people are having real life reunions. That on-screen reunion is a pretty decent one. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.